0: in this episode we talk about the star card a good omen appears
1: to say your future is bright Here at Strange Magic, Amanda and I talk about our views on tarot and the ways in which we practice magic.
0: And we understand that other people have different ways of practicing and different interpretations of the tarot, and that's totally okay. Take what you'd like
1: and leave the rest.
0: This week's episode is sponsored by our favorite non-tarot deck of cards, Polemic! The Game of Small Differences! How well do you know your friends? Can you predict the opinions of everyone in the room? Polemic introduces cultural topics, big and small, through a combination of chance and choice. Each player reveals an opinion while trying to guess what the others think. From this simple setup, You'll quickly find yourself in an unexpected territory, hearing entertaining revelations. Polemic is an icebreaker, a party game that takes one minute to learn how to play. The Adult Topic Pack is an expansion pack of titillating adult topics selected by certified sex coach Maisha Battle friend of the show, friend of the podcast, been on the podcast, who happens to be featured in Witch Witch Season 1, as I just said. Visit GardenPathGames.com or search for Polemic Game on
1: Amazon. Hello, 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 everyone. Amanda, it is so great to be here with you today. I'm always excited to be here with you, Sarah. Thank you for
0: having me. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, it's really (laughs) Carolyn's pleasure because here we are in her gorgeous studio. Carolyn just had an incredible performance and we are looking at these gorgeous works of art. It is making my eyes. Quite starry. I know. I
0: do get starry eyes when looking at Carolyn's beautiful work and listening to her beautiful voice when she sings beneath the stars. Carolyn is the true star
1: of this podcast. She really is. She really is. We worship you. We adore you. Here we are. Before we begin, we just have a couple announcements. I cannot believe it. We are here in November and I have spent the last six months months of my life, writing, editing, curating, illustrating, designing, and now distributing my 2020 Many Moons Lunar Planner. It is a planner that will take you through the entirety of 2020. It has monthly views, weekly views, rituals for all new and full moons. It has, I don't know, 20 plus bespoke tarot spreads. It has tons and tons of info about all of the Wheel of the Year holidays. It has every single moon phase for every single day of 2020. It is my labor of love. Click the link in the show notes. If you are interested in buying one, I would encourage you to buy one soon because it always sells out. I'm trying to make orders available internationally and that will probably happen later this month. So if you'd like to hear about that, You can hop on my newsletter, which the link is also in the show notes. And that is my announcement for this week.
0: Yes, you'll really need to tune into that amazing planner because it is beautiful. The drawings in it are so gorgeous, and it's so convenient to have all of that stuff in one place. It's really special. I'm super grateful that I have my copy in my hands right now as we speak. I have an announcement too, which is, well, first of all, I just wanted to thank all of you who've been out there coming to the events for Initiated, Memoir of a Witch, my book. It's been so amazing to see all of you and to see you show up. It's just been so moving for me. And I've been getting so many messages, private messages saying how much the book has meant to people who've read it and that they laughed and they cried and that they couldn't put it down and I just wish I could express to you how much that means to me since I've worked so hard on it and I wrote it for you, I wrote it for us, I wrote it for all the witches out there, and my little message beyond just one of great thanks is to to help other people who might be interested in finding the book, it would be really helpful for me if those of you who have ordered it or read it would put a review on Goodreads or a review on Amazon or publicize it on your social media page, and in order to incentivize you doing that, I'm running a little contest. So if you send a picture of the Goodreads or Amazon review or your social media screenshot of the book and send it to guardian at oracle of los I will be giving away some free readings. I'll be giving away two free readings and everyone who does it will get a free prayer that I use in the morning that's really nice to memorize and to use to bless your day. Everyone who does that gets something and then you're also entered to win this contest. With a free reading with me the odds are probably going to be pretty good let's say 20 or even 40 people do it it's going to be two out of 20 or two out of 40 people i mean that's probably pretty good odds that's 150 and fifty dollar value so check out the show notes and i will be giving some more information there thank you
1: all right so let's get into our episode Today, we are talking about the major arcana archetype of the star. This is the kind of card that when you receive it, you're just grateful.
0: Can I tell you a story? Sure. About this? It's a short one. One day when I was really sad, I was living in San Francisco and I was a total mess. As you've read my book, you'll know that. Um, I was walking back from the Haight-Ashbury district and I found the star car on the ground and it was the kind that had a message written on it. And so it said, the star card is a good omen, your future is bright. And it just felt amazing to receive that. I don't remember what exactly was going on in my life. I feel like that's the message that the star card gives to you
1: It's just like, you're
0: gonna be okay, look up.
1: Absolutely, and similar to some other good news cards like strength or maybe the lovers, it usually appears when you really need to see that. Yeah. Because you've just made it through the tower. So why should folks want to know more about this card, Amanda? Well, I think a lot of us are ready to hear some good
0: news. And that's what the star indicates. So if you're ready to hear some,
1: this is the card for you. Absolutely. Also, if you need to conjure and summon Hope, faith, confidence, magic, and be reminded of your star power. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I love that. I
0: also think it appears when you're ready to tap into the flow, to get creative, to
1: let energy flow through you and not work so hard love that i also think sometimes it'll show up when you're really ready to encounter the brilliance and the magnificence of who you are and what your life trajectory is going to come up and meet you with
0: yeah, so true. It appears as a guide, you know, when you're ready to connect with your guides, when you're ready to find that North Stars, we're going to be talking about in more detail.
1: So why don't we talk about some of the symbolism in the card?
0: For those of you who don't remember, we see a woman kneeling next to a pool. She's pouring water from an urn into that pool. With her other hand, she's pouring water onto the earth. Below her is a green grassy plain. There's a tree in the background with a bird and a mountain. And then you see, of course, above her, the starry sky with a bunch of eight pointed stars and then one central star that's really big and bright and yellow.
1: It's important to note that this card takes place in nighttime. All is quiet and it is most likely happening under a dark or a new moon.
0: Good point. Well, so let's talk about some of the symbols of the card. First of all, this card in the Kabbalah is called Zadi, which means fish hook. Of course, a fish hook signifies that which draws the fish out of the water or pulls forth from the cosmic, that which will nourish us. The water is, of course, the flow of undifferentiated consciousness. And the hook is the thing we have created, humans have, through our ingenuity to access it. One thing that I think is really interesting is that the correct Hebrew title of the card Ha Kokabim, meaning the star Z rather than the star. This is also emphasized by the early French and Italian decks, which call it Les Etoiles. I think that's how you say it in French. Um, But I think it's important to note that it doesn't really refer to star singular, that would be the sun, but it refers to stars plural that go deep into infinite space.
1: Yeah, I think it also really puts the emphasis on the collective here, which is a really main point of this card. Some tarot theorists believe that the water depicted in this card is the Nile, which would flood every year around August until 1970 when a dam was created. The flooding of the Nile was sometimes called the Tears of Isis. Some believed that when the water would rise, it was a time of fertility and regeneration. We see the figure fusing heaven and earth, regenerating themselves, as well as the collective at the same time. In almost every version of this card, we will see the eight-pointed star The eight pointed star is one of the earliest symbols that we have cross culturally of divinity. It is the symbol of Ishtar. It is the star of Lakshmi. We have the eightfold path in Buddhism. In Islam, the eight pointed star is known as the seal of prophets. In the Chinese tradition, it's a symbol used to depict the entirety of the universe. We also can think about the chakra system with the eighth chakra being that of the superconscious. this idea of eight, the idea of an octogram. The star is the symbol of all, of the entirety. It is the symbol of guiding principles. It is a path that human consciousness has followed cross-culturally since the beginning of time.
0: Mm. That's so interesting. I love what you were saying about people thinking that the water is the Nile. I have heard some other ideas. For instance, that the water is the pool from beneath the tree that the Hanging Man is on. Of course, that water is the well of Mimir, which in Norse mythology is the water beneath the world tree. So that water represents the well of wisdom. Isn't that
1: amazing? never heard it interesting
0: yeah it's pretty fascinating i to think about how the hanged man and that suspension sort of begins this process of devolution and dissolution that then we reemerge from in a way in the in the star card Okay, so also a few more things. Yeah, I love what you're saying too, about the chakra system. Seven points of the star can also relate to the seven planets, plus that unifying consciousness. And so that unifying consciousness or that intelligence in nature is definitely a theme that picks up many times when we look at this card. Also want to think about the mountains in the background of the card symbolizing the occult idea of the great work or what you were here to do. Self-realization becoming fully yourself in collaboration and harmony with the universe in service to that universal consciousness and will.
1: Mm. Earlier, I talked about the symbolism of the Nile. The ibis is sacred to areas of Egypt in the traditional Pamela Coleman Smith rendition of this card, we see a little bird in the background and that bird is supposed to be an ibis or an ibis. I don't really know y'all. I didn't Google it. You'll have to forgive me. I'm really sick today and I'm doing the best I can.
0: You're doing great.
1: The ibis is sacred to areas of Egypt. The ibis is a creature that is the first to leave before a flood. It can tell that disaster is coming it is also the first to return after the disaster so this is a symbol for me of homecoming that is inherent in this card it is sometimes akin to a soul retrieval as a coping mechanism we will leave our bodies we will disassociate it is a very intelligent response to abuse and to trauma And I think that in a lot of ways, the star can be about coming home to inhabit ourselves fully after an upheaval. You can ask yourself when this card arises how do I heal after this trauma? How do I inhabit my body and my life fully?
0: I, I always say ibis. I don't. I honestly don't know how to pronounce it. I'm gonna someone call will it ibis. email us and let <laughs> <Someone> us know. <laughs> I'm sure of will that. Someone tell us a bird expert. Thank you, bird a experts birder. of the world. <laughs> Thank you, bird watchers. <laughs> what are they called? Ornithologists. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so You can say that, but we can't say it. But we don't have pronounce <laughs> we ibis. Don't know,
1: we don't know. That. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thinking about the ibis. Is a bird sacred to Hermes, the magician, or... Or Hermes Trismegistus, who is also Thoth, of course, as you were saying in Egypt. I'm also thinking about how the ibis is a fisher. We've all seen them, you know, standing in stillness on one leg in the water and just waiting for that fish to come. And they're so elegant and beautiful. But I also think about how its bill is literally a fish hook, which is, of course, the Kabbalistic name of the card fish hook. It's standing there waiting for the fish to come. Interestingly, Thoth is the inventor of the arts. For me, this card represents the unblocked artist, the artist who is in the flow, the ecstatic. It always reminds me of that sculpture of St. Teresa of Avila by Bernini where she gets pierced by the golden arrow. Do you remember that? Where she's like rolling back in ecstasy and the golden arrow pierces her and she moans. It's like it hurts so good. Have you seen that sculpture? It's really great. I highly recommend. Another interesting note is that the woman appears in the card is often seen as a combination of the High Priestess and her intuitive knowledge and the Empress and her passions. I've also heard it said that she, the woman who is in the card, is the same woman or the same figure as in the strength card, if you add the numbers of the card, one plus seven, it reduces to eight. So she's also the lady of the beast who can bring forth our wildest nature in the most beautiful way possible.
1: Mm, That's interesting. You know, I don't think of the person as the same deity. I see the correlation because of the numerology, but I think of each specific card as its own entity and its own energy, each symbol and each tarot card as being its own different fractal of the human or holy experience. And to me, the nudity specifically in the figure always reads as a vulnerability, as a really raw honesty and ability to be one's true self, to peel back layers of pain of the accumulation of life in order to fully be themselves, which I really do think this card Is a lot about like who are we without our suffering, without our facades, without our artifices? Who are we when we give ourselves a chance to strip down into our most elemental essence, when we connect with our soul's essence and our sovereign sacredness? This requires bravery and honesty, a real willingness as well to serve our divine mission, which I think the figure illustrates really well here.
0: Yeah, I think those are great questions about who we are when we don't cloak ourselves in our traumas or our suffering we reveal our universal face. And I also think it's interesting what you're saying about how each card depicts a different essence. For me, I really like to think of characters in different scenes or how the same character might appear kind of transformed in a different card. I like thinking about it both ways. I've also heard that the figure is the sky goddess who appears in many different traditions. Isis, Ishtar, Inanna. Ashtoreth, Aphrodite, Neith. I love what the Women's Dictionary of Symbols and Sacred Objects has to say about Ishtar, who often appears depicted historically cupping her breasts as if the Milky Way flows forth from these amazing tatas of hers. It's a Milky Way. That's right. Some juicy Milky Way there. Of Ishtar, she says... Mother of the Fruitful Breast, Queen of Heaven, Lady of Victory, Light of the World, Star, Mountain Shaker, Leader of Hosts, Creator of People, Guide of Humanity, Shepherdess of the Lands, Mother of Deities, Supreme One, River of Life, Exalted, Glorious, Judgment-Giving, and on and on. So, this lady is
1: special. She is powerful. And I love that you bring up Anana. I love that you bring up Ishtar. Anana is absolutely one of my very favorite goddesses, hands down. I just need to point out Rider Waite Coleman Smith's rendition if this, in fact, is supposed to be Ishtar or Inanna is really racist Mm. because if this is really supposed to be the Sumerian goddess, Ishtar also recognizes Inanna, there is no way in holy heaven that she would have pink skin and yellow hair. No way. It's like all those paintings with Jesus when he has like fair skin and blue eyes. There's no way Jesus had blue eyes. Sorry. I just think it's interesting to look at certain renditions of the tarot as not just holy portals into our divinity, but really accurate reflections of the viewpoints of the time in which they were created. These white people are pulling from all these Egyptian, Babylonian, Sumerian and Greek myths yet the actual visual representations are deeply inaccurate. Mm. So I just wanted to kind of like point that out if you're looking at this gentle listener, if you're looking at this card and you're we're, you're like hearing us talk about these like ancient Babylonian goddesses, I'm sorry, but there's no way no how they had yellow hair.
0: No for sure that is a reality. And that's a very good point. I I think it also gets us into a conundrum, which is if they did depict Isis as a Sumerian deity or Ishtar as a Sumerian deity, which would absolutely be accurate, we immediately get into the territories of, well, why is this tradition using ancient goddesses that do not belong to their culture? If they were to depict her as Ishtar
1: in the Babylonian sense... Would that she'd be okay? She'd have like wings and like really cute claws. Uh, yeah. And she'd have like a lion and a tree and an owl. And we would like all know who she was. That would be amazing. But that would that be okay? But they're already taking Kabbalah. They're already taking Egyptian mythology. It's like grab bag style. So, yeah. obviously that's a topic for another episode. I know I was thinking Moving about right that. Right I was thinking about right it. We, 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 we are
0: planning on doing an ap- episode on that question. But right now let's discuss the differences between the Rider-Waite-Coleman Smith version of the deck and the Thoth deck. Rider-Waite-Coleman Smith figure is pouring the water out from her urns into a pool and onto the earth. Whereas in the Thoth deck, it's less clear where she's from. She's not blonde. In fact, she's all violet. Her whole body is violet. She has long violet hair. And she's reaching up and she's pulling the this this water down from the stars. And then she's pouring it down to the earth. So dreamy. It is very dreamy. And there's all these spirals in this version, in the thought version of the deck. I think this is really interesting because it's like cups pouring into cups, pouring into cups or consciousness spiraling ever deeper into the material realm. Crowley says something, who is the maker of this deck or part a partial maker of this deck, says something really interesting. I really want to quote it here. Only in the lower cups, when you're looking at the image, only in the lower cups, in the material world, are there rectangular forms. So we start seeing line rather than spirals and circles there. Then he gives this quote, which I love for obvious reasons, where he says, in this may be discovered, the doctrine which asserts the blindness of humanity to all the beauty and wonder of the universe. It is due to this illusion of straightness. And he's referring to the lines in the rectangles. But of course, we know that straightness in the sexual sense is probably illusion because it's more of a spectrum or perhaps a spiral. For this card to make sense, I think that we also have to understand that what we're saying is that life spirals and that without the tower there can be no star. In the star card we move into an acceptance of this cycle and the cyclical nature of life
1: so everything starts to flow totally i love that so much because when you zoom out on a picture of the milky way you see a spiral yeah like nature is spiralic our lives are spiralic and as much as we'd like to have them be linear and be from a to b to you know x to z like it's just isn't that way and i love that that's brought up here and i love that that also points to healing trauma this points to constellations of our lives and patterns of our lives this also i love that you brought in the Mixing of the heavenly and the material because sometimes I feel like humans have a really rough go of it because we really are these souls trapped in the material. It's only through our experiences in the material that we can kind of understand the spiritual, and it's only through our experiences with the spiritual that we then bring into form in some kind of way that we sort of can make sense and we can kind of make sense of meaning. And that oftentimes is definitely not linear.
0: Yeah. I mean, isn't the idea of a straight line or something that is linear or flat or perfect in that way? That doesn't exist, right? That's only a concept.
1: Don't tell any flat earthers. Amanda <laughs> listening. Sorry, flat earthers. La 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 la. Just keep going. <laughs> but well, yes, it do, it just, it doesn't exist. So, keep moving right along. Yeah. We could spiral out all day. We you would know love us. to Spiral into the deepest depths yeah. of the universe. If that's so for kind. us. And the fire and some hot toddies on another day. Many of you know the astrological sign associated with this card is Aquarius. There are two different myths I've heard about Aquarius. Both of them revolve around a very attractive young man named Ganymede, a very good-looking young prince of Troy, is kidnapped by Zeus to be his cup bearer, to be his water bearer, a waiter of sorts to all of the gods on Mount Olympus. In one telling of the tale I have heard, Ganymede looks down from his perch in the sky to see his village in a drought. They're suffering. His people are suffering. He begs and pleads with Zeus to send them water and he ends up saving them. In another different version I've read, Ganymede up there on Mount Olympus is just getting like really, he's a former prince. Did I mention? (laughs) He's getting really sick of being a lowly cup bearer. So he rejects his role, throws a temper tantrum, spills out all the water everywhere, and then as a reward, gods of ancient Greece love to do this, gets put in the sky as the constellation Aquarius. Both of these myths illustrate the collective-oriented impulse, as well as the rebellion Rebellious impulse of this astrological sign, of course, there are many other versions and many other different astrologies And there are many other different facets to Aquarius than what i'm talking about here But I think that it's very interesting to think about the rebelliousness of going your own way and wanting to do your own thing As well as wanting to save the collective feeling a lot of sympathy for the collective from a great distance Which sometimes illustrates some of the impulses of the astrological sign of Aquarius. Mm.
0: Bravo. I love that inclusion of Ganymede, our hot water bearer. <laughs> I need to get me one of those. I have some stuff I want to tack on there about Aquarius. The same symbol for Aquarius in astrology is the alchemical symbol for dissolution or the dissolving of the ego, opening us up to greater function. Aquarius also corresponds in the modern astrology with Uranus, which is the planetary angel of the visionary or the iconoclast or the rule breaker. And you know, what's really interesting for me is that both the devil card, which represents Capricorn and the star card, which represents Aquarius are then ruled by Saturn because Saturn is the planet that corresponds to both of those signs. But in the devil card, that acceptance of the decay and pain and lust and power and corruption of the material world, for me, there's a decadent feeling about it. Whereas in the star card, we can see a different kind of Saturn, a Saturn, the liberator, which moves, this energy moves and flows through the wheel of life and death and rebirth in a delighted and generous fashion. This card makes me think of the age of Aquarius, which most astrologers say began in the 20th century and will last for 2,000 years. Interestingly, later we'll see on the world card that there's all four fixed signs of the zodiac appear around the edges, a bull, a lion, an eagle, and a man, and the man represents Aquarius. Legend has it that the age of Aquarius is when man takes over the earth. We might see it as the inauguration of the Anthropocene. Boo. boo. Yes, boo. That would, for me, be its shadow aspect, where technology and rationalism, quote-unquote, rule the world, and we plummet into a sea of information and cyber wars. I also think that the age of Aquarius, the dawning of the age of Aquarius, offers us the opportunity to move into an era of equality and egalitarianism. My favorite aspect of this card is the idea of Eden restored. So for me right now, I see this card as an environmentalist card, a card that works towards ecological justice because she, the figure in the star card, is not just using the rivers of consciousness to restore her own body or heal herself, but to pour that water upon the earth And restore it. This is what I hope for us in the age of Aquarius rather than the age of the Anthropocene.
1: So if we were to read the key words of this card in a book, what would it say, Amanda?
0: Well, of course, for me, it would say hope, good omens, bright prospects, trust, grace, unexpected help. A time of rejuvenation. For me, the star card represents a time of rest. And what I love about it in particular, it's not a time of growing. It's not a time of lessons. It's a time of just being, of just marveling, of letting things move and flow and shift. Divine inspiration pours down and come through. And you are ready now to receive these blessings because your blocks we're cleared away by our friend, the tower. And oftentimes receiving blessings is much simpler than we think because we can just sit
1: out beneath the starlight and recognize the beauty of the world. Yeah, you know, after basically starting back and if I'm going to be real strength Mm. (laughs) and then going all the way to the tower, isn't it just so nice to have a respite? Isn't it just so nice to have a little breather like, way to go pacing whoever created this major arcana because we really 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 needed this exhale this is a card about faith it's a card about hope it's about healing there's a super famous self-help book it's called the courage to heal Mm. and it's really true because healing is so courageous and hard it is courageous because it requires faith and hope Faith and hope that you can heal. So many of us don't believe or find trouble or challenge in believing we can find healing or at the very least make some progress. And the star card can help us breathe into that belief that we are allowed to heal. We are allowed to rest. When this card comes up, you could be needing to center your focus on rest regeneration, restoration, and healing, whatever that word means to you, you may need to invest in space, in time, and in ritual. Mm, yes, yes,
0: and yes. In therapy. Lots and lots of therapy. So our friend Paul Foster Case says... When you have found the beginning of the way, the star will show its light. And I love this idea that when you've found the path, even if it's just the barest glimpse of it, the star appears to guide you because I really do see the star as a guide. It helps you navigate.
1: I love that so, so much. I love that something so, so far away for all of us. Over the millennia can be a navigating force Mm -hmm. just by its mere existence. The star is about showing up to your life in a radically different way, in a truthful way. The person who receives the star in a reading has just gone through a massive transformation. They've made it through the first two lines of the major arcana and the first two cards in the last line. They've learned what's true for them now they've reencountered their soul's purpose now and are ready to step into their purpose in a new and exciting way that promises to be fruitful because this card is a good omen because now that person through all of their trials through all of their journeying they have the most important ingredients they have faith vulnerability balance belief honesty, and a strong connection with the universe.
0: I'm on board for this card. Sign me up. Special topics. I'm just going to jump right in here with the idea of the star or the stars as symbols of navigation. What does it mean to be navigated by starlight? In order to figure that out, first, we have to think about what stars are, literally. A star is a gathering of dust of elemental particles like hydrogen and helium, the lightest of all the gases. And they come together and create nuclear reactions that last for billions and billions of years. Stars give birth to all the other elements. They truly are goddesses in that sense, literally creating the matter in the universe. Later we deal with the sun card, which obviously represents a single star, but the star card is speaking to stars plural, as we mentioned, but plural doesn't really even begin to describe the infinite billions of stars that are the galaxy. I see the star goddess The Egyptian Newt or Nuit, the lovely goddess of the night sky, as she was depicted as giving birth to the stars and taking them up against her dark belly. And I see it almost like the star goddess is like a fish releasing billions of eggs that spread throughout the dark, cold waters of infinite space. I also like to think about what stars mean to us personally. And I remember this time that I was going through a divorce and I went out to Joshua Tree and I remember looking up in the Milky Way. And for the first few nights that I was there, I was like, there's always this cloud in the way of me seeing the stars. When is it gonna go away? And then I realized that that cloud was the Milky Way. It was so many stars that it looked like fog. And the knowledge of that, of all those billions of galaxies was humbling and also gave me strength because looking out at the stars how utterly beautiful they are, and how small I am, and how insignificant. It, it just made me recognize the magnificence of the universe and the, how magical it is and what a privilege it is that we get to experience it. So the star is truly a gift. And you don't have to do anything. The universe just brought you into being as this fascinating, strange gift. And here you are. You know, that for me, in that moment, the star card came after the tower card, which was the dissolution of my marriage. You know, the tower crumbles, our ego falls, darkness descends upon the land. And because of that darkness, we can see out into the universe, into the realms of the gods. In astronomy and navigation, the north star is currently called Polaris, which is the brightest star in Ursa Minor, the little bear And it's a fixed star that appears towards the North Pole. And it's used by sailors and explorers to guide them at night so they don't get lost. And for me, that's such a beautiful idea. This thing, this burning orb out there in infinite space, like you were saying, Sarah, that can guide us in our terrestrial activities. And mythopoetically, the idea of the North Star signifies that unifying thing that ideal that gives your life purpose and meaning. And I like to think of ancient people out there in their canoes or rafts or Viking ships, traveling the seas at night through an endless expanse of shifting water. And I like to think of how they navigated by starlight. Because at night, Ursa Minor and Orion and the Pleiades and Scorpio and Taurus move across the sky. And the stories of these constellations mingled in their minds with the actual stars. And these stars could help them on their way when their boats were creaking and groaning and tossed by tempests. And they were out there all alone in these waters full of leviathans and narwhals and mermaid and kraken, scary things, mysterious and beautiful things. And I I love the idea of navigating by something that beautiful That is all bound up as well in the stories of your culture, the myths of your culture and the changing of the seasons and how the stars move across the sky and how the earth moves through space. So if we're trying to figure out how all of this relates to our real lives, it has to do with finding pleasure and beauty in the night, in the dark. In gathering your stories around you, your personal myths, the music you love, your awe over nature and the universe, and coming to a place where you cried so hard that now you're at peace. Like, have you ever had that moment where you just cry and cry and cry and then you're done and you look up and you notice how beautiful the sunset is or how soft the leaves of the jacaranda are? Everything feels like it's going to be okay. So that's how I see the star card, navigating you in a way that shows you and helps you so you don't get lost. So when you get the star in a reading, you're being called to remember the beauty in your life and to let that beauty guide you when you are lost and tempest tossed. Look towards the beauty and let that guide you home. Yeah, I
1: love that so much.
0: In between
1: talk about perspectives, projects of the soul, and belief systems. So when this card comes up, I would encourage you to widen out the perspective that you have of your life. The star, card number three on the third line, connecting us to universal consciousness, wants us to dream deeper and wider and longer and bigger the star wishes us to zoom out on our lives like a telescope to land on that which is most important to us, the very projects of our soul, how we bring them into material form, and how we make promises to the future. When we draw the star card, When we are in a star year, or when we decide to work very closely with this archetype and energy, we're ready to get serious about the projects of our lives, because all of us have more than just one project. We have constellations, we have projects. I think of the quote by Ava DuVernay, who says, if your dream is only about you, it's too small. And that is specifically what the star is asking of us, to weave our dreams into the collective web, to place our own unique star imprint onto the universe, knowing that we shine brighter when we have a greater purpose. All of us on this planet are here to fulfill our soul's purpose. And that purpose undoubtedly will also include other people people we know well, or people we may never meet. In the book, Magic of the Ordinary, the author Gershon Winkler, a Jewish shaman, speaks about the space in between I, the self, or one self, and God. I'm using God interchangeably to mean universe, goddess, nature, whatever floats your boat. The space in between us and God is the space between knowing ourselves resolutely and also knowing we are nothing, knowing there will always be mystery, that which we cannot ever completely know. And this in-between space, the author posits, is where we encounter the divine. The author talks about a couple of different ways we can perceive this in-between space one is that can separate our tiny reality from ultimate reality. This space can actually just be a partition that keeps us separate from ourselves, from nature, from the universe. Or it can be a kiss. It can be an exchange that unites us to the divine. We're often taught to yield to forces greater than us, like deities, spirit, nature, the sea, Amanda, as you spoke about the stars. But when we do that, our spirituality becomes one sided. I want to implore you gentle listener to think about nature or spirit or the goddess or God encountering you. What would they say? Would they be in awe of you? Like you're in awe of a rose bush and bloom that you come across on a walk? Or when you encounter a hawk floating on the wind? How can you make yourself into an awe-inspiring creature that will delight your god, your goddess, the universe? I believe that this is star power. How real you feel that God is to you will determine how real that you feel you are to God. That is what the author of this book says. And that is a most wonderful way to define belief. Believe in things and they will believe in you. That is the exchange. That is the kiss. That is not the separation. The star wants an exchange. An important part of this process is allowing ourselves to be seen at our most glorious. When this card comes up, we've got to let God encounter our beautiful selves. In order to do this, we've got to practice showing up to our lives as our most beautiful selves. When we do this, this helps us reflect upon the projects of our soul. So often we get hung up around making important decisions, afraid to choose just one. But the star isn't about choosing just one. It is about widening out on the perspective of your own life. Think about the guiding forces in your life. Maybe they're expression. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's compassion. Maybe it's a million other things I can't even think of, right? Maybe it's your own universe. A lot of you, hopefully, are subscribed to my newsletter. And if you are, you know, I will frequently make intuitive Venn diagrams of the guiding forces of my life and they help me to make decisions of where to put my time my energy my focus they serve as a kind of universal map for me so you might want to do a similar exercise when the star comes up of the constellations of your energy of your north star amanda as you spoke about of your polaris create projects of your life out of the energy that you need to show up for that much more vulnerably that much more beautifully so that you can become That much more glorious in the eyes of your own personal God.
0: Mm, Yes, I love that. I'm going to try that. That's a great idea. It's very beautiful. Well, so I wanted to pick up on that and talk a little bit about the difference between the star card and the temperance card. I know that for a lot of people, it might be kind of confusing. They look so similar. Both holding water, pouring water around. Both have one foot on land and one foot in the water. So
1: what's the deal? <laughs> Man, like, talk about, could you just, like, make it a little bit more confusing, tarot inventors? I
0: know. I'm glad you're
1: going to be here to break it down for us, Amanda.
0: (laughs) They were doing so well with their narrative arc, and then they threw us for this loop. So, okay. So, well, I want to start off with a quote by Rachel Pollack. She's talking about comparing the star card with temperance where we also see a figure pouring water and ho- holding two cups with one foot on land and one foot in water. Both cards also come after a crisis, but where temperance is controlled, the star is free, not clothed, but naked, not standing stiffly, but supple and relaxed. And finally, where temperance pours the water back and forth, Blending at the same time conserving, the star maiden pours it out freely, confident that life will continually supply her with new energy. In contrast to the temperance card and the moon card, the star card shows no road leading back from the pool to the mountains of outer reality. There's no road. The journey can wait. You're there. You're at peace. You're in it. You're not going anywhere. There's no more work to be done. I mean, of course there is, but not in this card. You get to rest. I wanted to talk about this a little bit and break this quote down a bit. So we were talking earlier about the waters of the pool being the well of Mimir, so that well of wisdom. And we're drawing from that well. We're pulling straight from there, from the divine, and it's moving through us, this water. And when we pour this water of wisdom through ourselves When we pour water into water, it returns to itself, right? It mixes, right? There's no differentiation anymore. When we pour water onto earth, we make things grow. We fructify, we make moist, we cultivate. We see both of those things happening in the star card. She's pouring water back into itself and water onto the earth. What I think is really interesting about this is that the water doesn't come from us, like, she's not peeing it onto the earth. Although, you know, even, even if she did.
1: No judgment if you're into it.
0: No judgment. Exactly. We've all done it. But I like
1: peeing in I, nature. I
0: love it. I do it every chance I get. But Just not in water. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, when I was a kid. But anyway. But so even that water, though, like from our bodies doesn't come from us. It, it comes from the ocean. It comes from source. the rivers. It comes from source. It doesn't belong to us. It passes through us. We carry it. We are, in a sense, inside of it. And so symbolically, water is dreams. It's myths. It's fairy tales. It's images. It's, it's divine consciousness. The star represents that moment when you're not just creating, but you're opening yourself to the channel of creation. And one of the things I want to go back to is this idea of the fish hook as being the sort of title of this card. Catching fish. The fish is dwelling in the pool of consciousness, of of Mimir. And Paul Foster Case talks about how the fish is the personality or the ego or the individual self. That the star card, the universal consciousness, the divine intelligence, that Nuit, that, that Ishtar, pulls from within itself. It fishes itself out. So this is really important. And I know that I'm getting kind of complicated here. But what I'm saying is... That the water is the realm of consciousness. We aren't Nui. We aren't the goddess. We are the fish that she is pulling out from within herself. And we are feeding that back to itself. So the woman in the card is divine nature, is the goddess. One of the things that both Sarah and I have touched on a lot here is that this card is not just about you. It's not just about you, the querent pulling yourself up out of the water as the fish, but about the goddess, about natural intelligence, about the life force pulling you as an individual up out of the water and pouring you out onto the earth or pouring you into creation. I love what Paul Foster Case has to say about this card. Many different esoteric thinkers speak about this card as if it's about meditation. And what he says is, however much it may seem to us at first, that meditation is a personal activity, when we really succeed in meditation, we discover that what happens is not that we meditate, but that rather we are meditated. Oh my God, like that just blows my mind. But the whole point of meditation is to recognize that we are emanating from the mind of the world rather than the universe as a projection of our own consciousness what does that mean for us on an everyday level? The point is that we must continually refer the lessons of the inner worlds, the results of meditation to our daily lives and vice versa. That's a quote from Robert Wang who wrote the Kabbalistic Tarot. So I see this idea of meditation as the fact that we need to apply All the lessons that we've learned in the previous cards, we need to apply the tools that we get from meditation. We need to apply our tarot skills, our intuitive knowledge to our daily lives. But I also love that this is just about the flow of that. It's not like we must hammer these lessons in. We must let these practices flow through us that we get to create. And from within us, we're pouring that forth that creative flow forth
1: upon the world that it's a cycle it's a spiral it's almost as if we just have to be human beings yeah
0: that's that's all we have to be
1: is Taoist. i love so much of what you brought up here i just want to kind of telescope out on just a couple things the first is i love how you talked about comparing and contrasting the cards because in my practice, when I see a number of cards that are around a certain topic, that's just so much affirmation. So for example, both temperance and the star have elements of looking after one's health, looking after one's holistic health, mental, emotional, physical. If I were to see temperance and the star and let's just say the Four of Swords in a reading for someone, I would immediately want to tell them, hey, you have to look after your health. You need to rest you need to recuperate, something's going on here, maybe your nervous system is deregulated, let's like attend to that. So I think it's also like totally fine that cards have echoes of the same, strength is another one, right? Like strength comes up a lot with health, chariot comes up a lot with physical health. You know, there are a lot of these threads in certain cards. The other thing that you talked about that I just wanna like, again, really ring another bell around is for so many of us practitioners, the point of why we do spiritual work is for the collective. It's so we won't cause more harm. It's so we can keep our side of the street clean so that we can like, you know, not harm other people or be cruel. We can be in our best aligned selves so that we can create our best work for the whole again, like not just for us. It's not just about us. It's for something much greater. So I love that you brought all of that up. Like there's so much richness there and so much for me to definitely go back and re-listen to. So I thank you for that. I wanted to talk about our own personal patterns. I wanted to talk about constellations of mythologies and meanings and writing and rewriting your own story in order to access healing. Who are we without our trauma? I'm definitely not trying to bypass when I ask this question. Like many of you, trauma is a daily, usually daily part of my life. Most likely my nervous system will be racked with hypervigilance and deregulation for the rest of my life. This could be true for many of you as well. But I do wanna kind of talk about the point and I do think the star illustrates a pivot when we have to think about how we're going to regroup and carry on. When we've suffered so, so much, we can get really attached to our suffering. We can forget maybe who we would be without it. We might be addicted to it. We could look to perpetuate patterns of harm and suffering subconsciously in our lives. The star card grants us a way out of these harmful narratives by asking us to write new stories. Who are you without the hurtful, abusive things that other people themselves, very hurt and abused, have told you? Stars are constellations. They're patterns of light in the sky that humans have ascribed meaning and mythologies to for thousands of years. They help to guide us and inform our perspectives. And also, there comes a time where we need to connect with our own source, our own essence, our own innovations, our own qualities, our own talents. There comes a time to write new stories. We can look to current patterns happening in our current personal constellations to gain knowledge around opportunities and where we need to create meaning. We can look to these repeating patterns to help us make choices and create meaningful pathways out of the dark. The star asks us to broaden our perspectives. For example, if I'm injured or one really, really awful thing happens to me, it's really easy that I can have my entire universe get wrapped up in that, right? The lens of your life can be seen from a family member that abused you or from a horrific event that scarred you, right? Like we can just be like, well, that's because so-and-so did this or like no one's ever going to be trustworthy because this person lied to me and on and on and on. Gentle listener, I feel you so hard. I get it. At a certain point, though, we have to decide to shift our perspective. This horrific thing can become a smaller piece in the entirety of your galaxy. It will always affect you. It will always be something that will inform your decisions and your story and your relationships, to be sure. But it must not be the sole lens through which you see the world. I think of this excerpt from a poem by Sonia Sanchez. What is done is done. What is not done is not done. Let it go like wind. Building on this, I think about rejecting the myths and the lies of dominant culture or the myths and the lies that you've been told about yourself. I can only speak for myself. But if I took what other people generally folks who do not know me or who refuse to see me or actually listen to me. If I took what these people have told me about myself as the truth, I would not have made anything. I would not have found love. I would not have shared myself with anyone ever. And many of those stories are also dominant cultural stories. Ones that are myths and lies. Ones that humans have ascribed to the stars They're also rampant, by the way, in the New Age community because the New Age community is a byproduct of dominant culture. The star, the archetype of Aquarius, they want us to think for ourselves. They want us to create our own beliefs and to draw from our own well, our own source. And when we have that, we receive priceless gifts. We receive self-confidence. We receive ourselves. So if you're working with this card, and it's coming up for you, and you really want to work through different patterns, this card can sometimes ask you to own your own stories to be the innovator of your own world. We write and rewrite our own stories in order to heal and in order to fully become the stars we were born as.
0: Amazing. Um. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you, Sarah. let's step
1: in to the shadows cast by the stars this is so basic but you know sometimes we're basic witches over here at strange magic hiding your light being afraid to be your own weirdo self a lot of folks have referred to something called the witch wound this means like being afraid to come out as a witch a powerful person a spiritual person in fear that they will be shunned so this could come up as a shadow of this card It could also mean that you're afraid to share some part of you that is integral to your identity, your dreams, your mission, or like we've said before, the projects of your life.
0: Mm -mm. snap 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 mine is simple one of them uh fantastical thinking leading to disappointment the star can really put you in touch with like the great things that are possible and your north star and your visions and your your guides and all of that stuff but you know that could also lead to kind of an over focus on the future what could happen for you a dreaminess that leads you out of the present moment so that's something to watch out for
1: you just made me think of my sweetie calls it's not the same but it's like a subsect he calls it future tripping Mm. like you're like tripping out on what could happen both bad and good and then you're like "Well, I'm in the spiral the star spiral (laughs) Um, another is putting everyone before you this could lead to martyrdom resentment or erasure of the self. So for example, doing the things in the group project that you don't want to do, but no one else will do, so you decide to just do it. This tendency of overgiving will happen a lot in our culture, particularly with marginalized folks. We'll see this a lot with social workers, teachers, spiritual workers, mothers. I could be here all day. If you get this card and you are frequently thinking about the needs of others before your own basic needs and you have no time for your own spiritual commitments. You might need to do some work with this card and the shadow. You can ask yourself, where did you learn that you would be safe only if everyone got fed before you? Where did you learn to think about everyone else's needs in the room before yours?
0: Hmm. That's a really interesting one paired with part of the wisdom of the card, which is about thinking about everybody's needs, right? And connecting to everybody's needs and thinking about the universal. So that's an interesting facet of how the tarot speaks to both different sides of that, that we can overdo that we can come out of balance in that. I'm also thinking about what happens when the star appears reversed and how you might interpret that. You might think of it as a missed opportunity so let's say it came up in the past in your reading and you get a star card reverse and maybe it might indicate that you had an opportunity that you didn't take or you bypassed it or you didn't see it or not paying attention to your guides or a message that came to you it can also indicate a brain fog or cut off from flow or feeling stuck or not being able to access source or resources overthinking I also think about it just on a really literal sense, celebrity obsessed culture, where we think that the stars on Hollywood Boulevard know more about what is best and what is right for us or what is right for the world than we do. So it's really about the opposite of Uranian thinking, which would be about Breaking free from the constructs of our culture and instead just slavishly following whatever good looking person appears on Instagram
1: to tell us what to do. I love that so much. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think about that a lot, actually. Celebrity culture and how it like. Yeah. Another shadow side of this card and one that I can relate to is feeling like an alien. Feeling really different than other people, like you can't connect to other people, having it hard to have like others see you and your gifts, maybe it can be easy for you to think about the greater whole of humanity and harder to maintain intimate and mutually beneficial relationships. Maybe when you were growing up, you were the only one like you in your school or in your family. I think that a lot of empaths and activists and artists and psychics can feel alone or isolated or like an alien. So when this card comes up and you're feeling like that, try to channel those feelings of isolation into art, purpose, connectivity, so you can end up finding your people in a kind of home there.
0: Okay, so here we are with pop culture. First thing pops into my mind, Madeline Langles' A Wrinkle in Time. The witches who give the main character Meg all of her gifts, they give her her faults, and she's like, I don't want my faults, but they turn out to be real blessings. Well, they were stars they were once stars that burned out they burned themselves so brightly that they burned themselves out and became witches because they were fighting this nothing this gobbling matter that was taking over the universe and making everything reducing it to the same to this like commodified homogenized soulless thing and i feel like that is what this card is really about is like burning your light to in service of the universe a couple more. Okay, the artist Via Selman's, do you know her work? <laughs>
1: do I? If I ever get rich, I will buy both a rock from the moon and an original print of hers.
0: I am obsessed with this artist. She's all about close looking. and So she has paintings. They're small paintings, for instance, like the size of a normal, like two by two feet, of the night sky. But Friends, they... They're, they're photorealistic. She looks at a photograph of the night sky or at the night sky itself, looks so closely that she paints every star or she makes a rock that looks exactly like a rock that is found on the moon. Like, beyond. exactly. Like you it's can't beyond. tell the difference. Her
1: oceans, her spider webs, she's her stars, she's amazing. She's
0: amazing. And it's all about close looking, which for me is about really being fully present and letting the miracle of what is right before you in. I feel like that's really what's going on with Via Selman's star version. Betty Saar, I was just in uh, New York and I saw her show up at MoMA and she uses a lot of astrology. Um, This show up at MoMA right now is called the legend of a black girl's window. She has these actual windows behind them. There's figures from astrology and, um, mythological figures and the stars themselves and it's like this idea of like looking out and looking into the beyond which is just so beautiful. Also thinking of of course Van Gogh's Starry Night. I don't know if I have much to say about it but we might as well just bring it in. It's on every cup and mug. Google it. Google it. I mean they know what that is. Also though last but not least of course my favorite Bowie song which is Starman let the children lose it let the children use it let the children boogie love that song and i love that riff that's like so good so good so good you inspire me david
1: I love that you brought up David Bowie because in the deck that I use with clients which is the Lioness Oracle David Bowie appears as the star in That's right in the card immortalized and if you're listening hello Alejandra I love you pro tip if you're looking for a deck buy one from someone who's an actual tarot reader. All of the decks I've bought that have been created by someone who also reads cards and is acquainted with the structure and symbology has made for a much more accurate read. I've bought simply beautiful decks with the most beautiful art, but they're silent, aka they don't always read well. Okay. And pro tip about that. I just want to talk about David Bowie to riff on you. David Bowie, a star is perfect choice. When I was talking about projects of our lives, because David Bowie had endless iterations of who he was and who he accessed and who he became and who he embodied. And he didn't just stop at one, he just kept going. And then you could Argue that part of his power and part of his beauty was his ability to be a chameleon, the ability to keep going and regenerate through version, a version, a version of himself. So I love David Bowie. I love that you brought David Bowie up as star. I love that Alejandra from the Lioness Oracle has that. It's like such a great choice. I have a weird main one, and then I have a bunch of little small ones. There is a song. That I always think about with this card by Cat Power. It's a song called I Don't Blame You. The singer Shan Marshall is singing directly to someone and the refrain of the song is I don't blame you and she sings this over and over again. It's a really beautiful song. For a very long time I actually thought that she was singing to herself I thought it was really healing and really brave where you're making a song where you publicly are forgiving yourself for being destructive or for not behaving well. That's very like star energy to me, clearing out space by retelling your story as one of redemption. What if we all made up songs and stories to ourselves like that? It would be really, really, really healing. Then, of course, I found out the song was actually to Kurt Cobain. After Whoa. after he took his life, I just needed to share that I first thought for years it was her singing to herself, which I actually find like deeply powerful. But anyway, when I found out that it was to Kurt Cobain and she's singing over and over and over and over again, I don't blame you. It still holds such powerful space for me as a song about grace and redemption and different perspectives because it is a star song written by a star about a star for a star. I thank her for writing it because we don't know what other people are going through. We all have to hold understanding and grace and love for others. I think about all the universes that exist within a life. I think about all the perspectives that make up the experience and emotional connections of art. And somehow this feels very overwhelming to me in the very best way possible. Carolyn, the producer, also did some Googling and it turns out that cat power is an Aquarius. So here we have that collective web. Just a few. I'm just going to zing out. I'm just going to zing them out. I'm just going to zing them out. Think about Jimi Hendrix. I think about Carl Sagan. I think about Albert Einstein, Toni Morrison, Oprah, Sally Ride. I think about Yayo Kasama's Infinity Pieces. I think about the television show Pose. I think about Issa Rae, who created a whole universe for herself about her weirdness, and it resonated. Of course, also, I think about Yoko Ono, who's never been afraid to be herself. She was a total original at a time when she was absolutely abused and harassed and cruelly ridiculed by the public. Being a rock star isn't easy. And I think of the Emily Dickinson poem, Hope is a Thing with Feathers.
0: Damn, she is on a roll today, ladies and gents. Um, I just had one last thing, which was, of course, the charge of the star goddess. Um, hopefully, after this episode, this charge will have a bit more meaning for you or resonance for you. Those of you who don't know what it is, we'll put it in the show notes. But essentially, it's one of the most famous texts in witchcraft uh, created by... Doreen Valiente, and then reworked by the reclaiming grand witch, grandmama witch, Starhawk. And it begins, hear the words of the star goddess, the dust of whose feet are the hosts of heaven, whose body encircles the universe. I, who am the beauty of the green earth and the white moon among the stars and the mysteries of the waters, I call upon your soul to arise and come unto me. OMG. Every time I say it, I start to cry because it's so beautiful. So I can leave it with that.
1: We are just going to wrap our episode up with some practical and magical tips for when you are lucky enough to receive the star card or you would like to work with the energy of the star card. I've probably said this before, but I'll say it again. Why not? The magic of clearing, cleaning, clearing space, clearing time, magic loves a void Maybe your star doesn't have the space to shine bright. The star comes up after the two-part clearing process of the devil in the tower. Take heed here and give yourself the magic of a minimal space. It is in my experience that the more sensitive and aligned one gets, The more allergic one gets to unaligned relationships, work, decisions, your body will probably tell you. The star represents a pivot to your bright future. My favorite witch life hack that I'm giving away for free here is to always make your future self be grateful to your past self, which is your present self. So make choices aligned with your bright future. Do magic to set your future self up for shining bright.
0: Mm, That makes me want to go clean my room, which I actually need to do. (laughs) So yeah, I have some ideas too for rituals. If you can, if you have access to it, Go bathe in a pool by starlight. Maybe there's some mineral baths near your house or you can open up your bathroom window and take a bath by starlight. Place some flowers in the water. It's a really good time to get a healing. The star card is so much about rejuvenation. So do energy work. Let that energy flow into and around you. Connect with the beauty of nature. Restoration ritual, any kind of rituals involving water, you know, pouring water over yourself, pouring water into the earth, watering your plants in your front garden as an act of sacrament. A few more ideas, you know, the color that's associated with this card is violet. If you want to draw the star energy into your life, maybe wear some violet clothes, put on some violet eyeliner, get your violet nails did. Violet leaf tonics and tinctures. Mm, Yeah, eat some purple cabbage. Meditation though, I think is the major one. Meditation into flow states, into creativity flow states using meditation especially imaginative visualization because this is about letting the images Flowing through the seeds of consciousness come manifest and grow and take root within you and then pour it out into the world through your own creative practice, tuning in through meditation and then pouring it out into the world through your creative practice. If you need help with meditation, get books from the library or find a teacher or use some meditation apps. I also want to say that the star card relates to astrology. Obviously, it's written the stars. One thing I think is interesting is that astrology represents the unconscious patterns of nature that govern our lives, but in the more shamanic view of astrology, whereby we use rites and rituals and charms and meditations and other healing processes, we can awaken to these unconscious patterns and then shift them to be more in alignment with ourselves. So now is a really good time to pay attention to your astrology and do rites and rituals and charms and all the kinds of meditations so that you can shift your fate into something that feels really yummy and good to you. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. It's been such a pleasure to be with you here today talking about this juicy card.
1: Tune in to next week where we discuss the moon. Witches in the coffee shop, witches in
0: the dorms, witches in the
1: hair salon, there's a witch wherever you are.